Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barron. Joining me is Brian. Hello. Today we got an interesting episode. Yes. We're talking about dairy. Dairy. Um, I <laughs> I wrote this episode like a year and a half ago before I even like had this position. Um, and I haven't read it since. So I barely know what's being covered. So enjoy, enjoy us. Everybody likes dairy, except those who are lactose intolerant, I guess. But sorry, lactose intolerant people. All right, what do you got? All right, so starting off, we have the Norwegian butter crisis. So basically, Norway ran out of butter. That ain't good. No, it's not. Um, In late 2011, um, the... the shortage of butter caused the inflation of its price all across the Norway. I just said the Norway. The Norway. <laughs> um, stocks of butter in stores ran out within like minutes of deliveries. It was crazy. Um, the butter. It's also referred to as the s'more panic in Norwegian. I'm probably not saying that right. Or butter panic. Um, so the causes of this where heavy rains in the summer, they affected the cow's grazing patterns, which reduced milk production by 20 million liters, which is 5.3 million gallons. So that's a lot of milk just not being there. That is a lot of milk, yes. Yeah. Um, This is the equivalent of 804 Olympic-sized swimming pools. That's a lot. Yes. (laughs) At the same time in October... Um, demand increased by 20%, and again in November by 30%. Uh, this is because butter is a huge part of the Norwegian Christmas diet, and which favors fat-rich and low-carb foods. I guess they really like butter during <laughs> Christmas or something. I don't know. Um, the shortage led to a massive increase in prices, so much that two sticks of butter would cost 300 krone or 50 U.S. dollars. It's a lot of money for butter. Yeah, for two sticks. Everyone's been complaining about butter prices here lately. Yeah, well. That's not that high. Don't live in Norway in 2011. <laughs> um, the shortages continued to rise because high import tariffs to protect the local dairy industry, which, I mean, makes sense. But, like, when you're out of butter, you kind of need, need to import it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the dairy industry estimated 1,000 tons less than usual of butter, while the demand went up by 30%. Um, not So most of the butter in Norway was produced by a company called Tyne or Teen. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, they were blamed by the dairy farmers for the crisis because they didn't inform them about higher quotas and they still exported a ton of butter despite the shortage, which, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, they asked the government to cut down the butter tariffs, so they did by 80%, but it was still like kind of high <laughs> anyway. Um, so the, a Norwegian newspaper tried to get more s- subscribers by offering them half a kilogram of butter if they did. Um, students auctioned off butter to raise money for the graduation parties. A number of people were caught by authorities for trying to smuggle butter across the border from Denmark. Um, The Swedes posted online advertisement 
about trying to sell butter for 77 US dollars. Um, and one Danish businessman handed out thousands of packs of butter in Oslo. I don't know why. I guess maybe to repute his brand or something. Um, <laughs> a Danish television show broadcasted an emergency appeal for people to send butter to the quote, butter-starved Norwegians. At, at this point, I feel like they're just mocking them. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. A little Scandinavian rivalry there. Uh, Swedish supermarkets also offered free butter to Norwegians to try and get them to shop across the border. Um, by the end of the crisis, Norwegian retailers lost 43 million krone or 5.03 million US dollars just by not having butter because of rain. Who would have thought? <sighs> oh. Stupid. Ever, ever tell you the time I saw a lady in Ireland? She was just going to town on butter. <laughs> you know, like when you go to a restaurant and they got they give you bread and then you yeah. got like the bowl with the packaged squares of butter in it. I love that butter. She was just eating it like candy. She went through two bowls. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh like I like butter, but not that much. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine just taking like a stick of it and gnawing on it. Uh like, <laughs> well, to each their own. Probably, I probably get like a heart attack yeah. after. Like I was just kind of looking. I'm like, whoa, I like the butter. All right, all right. So next, we have Fidel Castro's dairy obsession. So, um, not many people know this, but uh, the dictator of Cuba, Fidel Castro, was a huge connoisseur of dairy. Um, he would eat two pints of ice cream. After yes. every meal, every single meal. I get behind that. Um, he also um, drank milkshakes and a lot of other dairy products throughout the day. Uh, he was so obsessed with milk and dairy that he built an ice cream complex that took up an entire city block in Havana. It's called um, Cobelia, and it's still open today. Um he also used dairy for diplomatic reasons. What was that? No, no. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, he also used dairy for diplomatic reasons. Uh, in 1974, a French diplomat was visiting Cuba. So Fidel Castro offered him some, I'm going to butcher this, camembert cheese, which is very popular in France. Hmm. I think it's like camembert something oh never had it I'm, i don't know never even heard of it <laughs> it's spelled really weird uh this led to a heated discussion about if cuban or french camembert cheese was better than the other probably why probably another reason for cuba to dislike the west during the cold war but yeah um in 1963 the CIA tried to assassinate him by poisoning his chocolate milkshake. I was going to ask that. That seems like a ripe opportunity for our CIA to try to get him. Yeah. Because I know we tried multiple times. It was, wasn't it like 600? Yeah, there was a lot of attempts on Castro. Yeah. He just. Didn't he have like the food testers? I think so. Okay. Probably. Uh, there was a poison pill hidden in a freezer, but when the assassin took it to put in the milkshake, 
the pill broke in half, making it ineffective. I don't know how that works, but okay. Um, historians consider this to be the closest anyone has ever come to assassinating Castro. Um, like of the 600 assassination attempts, this is somehow the one that gets the closest. Like, with a milkshake. Uh, give it your time. <laughs> uh, because of his dairy, um, I guess we can call it an addiction, um, Castro wanted to expand Cuba's cow industry. Uh, Cuba already had two native cows, but they were terrible for producing milk. Uh, so he ended up shipping a ton of dairy cows from Canada. But Canadian cows live in, in Canada. Canada. So they aren't really used to the hot Caribbean climate and they didn't really produce anything. Uh, to counter this, Castro built this giant um, air-conditioned facility for the cows to live in, but less milk was produced than usual, so he ordered the crossbreeding of the native cows with the Canadian one, with the Canadian ones. Um, after numerous attempts, finally, there was one cow that actually worked. Its name was Ubre Blanca, which translates to white udder. Um, Ubre Blanca was Fidel Castro's favorite cow. Um, it could produce 25 gallons of milk per day, which is four times the average. Um, Castro would regularly visit him for media cut or her, sorry, because you know, it's a dairy producing cow for media coverage, or even just to visit his prized cow. Um, he used Ubre Blanca as a propaganda tool to show that communism has superior breeding over capitalism, even though this was the only one to succeed. I guess use anything you can for propaganda. Wasn't there always food shortages in Cuba? Yeah. Okay. okay. When Ubre Blanca <laughs> died, Castro grieved and ordered a giant golden statue to be built in her honor, and it's still standing today. Uh, after his or after her death, Castro ordered sample or samples of Ubre Blanca's DNA to be collected and to try and clone her, her. So there haven't been any successful cloning attempts that we know of, at least. Um, some historians call his um, milk addiction or mock his milk addiction by calling him the milk dictator or Calcium Castro. So that's all on him. Uh, They've tried to clone the cow? Yeah. Oh, wow. It hasn't worked yet. Oh, my. There's a poem. A poem mm -hmm. about Uber Uber Blanca. Blanca. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Let's see. Is it in English or in Spanish? Uh, it's been translated. Oh. Yes. They were educated men. How could they know what was coming? How could they not save Ubre Blanca from the endless speeches, the cameras, and the fist? Oh, so emotional. I have no clue what that means, but oh well. We're learning about poetry in English right now. Oh. I mean, if we have to do if we have to do a poem, I'll do that one. So, um, uh, this next one is the invention of mac and cheese. Everyone, Ooh. everyone loves mac and cheese, unless, oh. as we said before, my children love it. Intolerant. Um, so I couldn't find the exact date. But mac and cheese was invented around 1784 by 
everyone's favorite third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson. Really? Yeah. So around the mid-1700s, the American diet was still influenced by traditional English cuisine, which um, included meats and less common vegetables that were typically boiled or stewed, while hard cider, alcohol, and sweet pies were also often eaten. Doesn't sound very appetizing, <laughs> just vegetables being boiled. Um, so while Jefferson was in France, he developed an appreciation for the <clears throat> cuisine there. Um, he even brought one of his slaves there to master the art of French cooking so he could recreate it back in Virginia. So after arriving back home, uh, he had a macaroni machine shipped to him from Italy. Um, he is believed to have been a large contributor in spreading the popularity of pasta across the United States by serving mac and cheese during his presidency at lavish parties he would throw at his home in Monticello, which is probably a way better cheese party than Andrew Jackson could have done. <laughs> if you don't know about the Andrew Jackson cheese party, look it up. It's, it's crazy. Um, Jefferson is also to believe or is also believed to have helped spread the popularity of vanilla ice cream and french fries yes throughout the u.s so next time you're having a vanilla milkshake uh think of thomas jefferson you want to know his macaroni recipe what is it six egg yolks and whites two wine glasses of milk two pounds of flour and a little bit of salt and then he would put it in his macaroni press that sounds pretty he good. actually wrote down his recipe and you can go see it if you ever go visit monticello while you go while you go pick up some two dollar bills i kind of want to there oh try the recipe oh it's thomas jefferson's oh 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 now we got the cheese part of it oh uh 16 ounces of large elbow macaroni three cups of milk two teaspoons of all-purpose flour half a teaspoon of salt quarter teaspoon freshly ground black pepper two cups of parmesan two cups of mozzarella two cups of romano and then two tablespoons of butter that seems like a very rich that sounds so good though yes i want to i want to make it you want to make it yeah. it sounds like the perfect fourth of july recipe because we love cheese yeah so much so that did you know that the united states has a 1.5 billion pound stockpile of cheese I feel like I did. To put that in perspective, the Eiffel Tower only weighs 22.3 million pounds. If you built a structure out of all that cheese, it would be taller than the Statue of Liberty. We like our cheese. Yep. And it keeps on growing. It does. It keeps on growing. It's been growing slightly since 2018. I know our government has a big cheese stockpile. Basically, it was a way to help out dairy farmers. And then they're like, here's our American processed cheese that we could give to people that need food. And it's sitting in a cave in Missouri. Reagan started the program. Are you able to visit it? I am not sure on that. The issue is a lot of people are not eating as much dairy as they used to oh. because it's deemed not as healthy for you. So we don't eat as much cheese. So we just keep on producing it, though. I mean, 
Give me like three weeks in that cave. I could probably eat three point four billion dollars in cheese. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of cheese. That is a lot of cheese. And you know, people like to steal cheese. I've people stolen <clears> from the cave. There's been several cheese heists. Uh, a gang of thieves in Wisconsin stole seventy thousand pounds of cheese from a cheese store. I mean, they are the cheese heads. They were recovered the next night, twenty miles away in Milwaukee. When they tried to sell them for a dollar a pound. <laughs> Someone's probably like, where'd you get all this cheese from? <laughs> Don't uh, worry about it. Yeah, that's basically what got them. They're like, oh, there's these dudes in a van, a lot of cheese, and they're selling it for a dollar a pound. We know there was a cheese robbery. It's probably them. Yep. There's also a Munster cheese heist. Ooh, Munster is one of my favorite cheeses. I actually got on my sandwich today. What's Munster? It's like a, it's like a creamy, it's white, but it's got like a little bit of orange on it. Mm. Softer, it's a softer cheese. All right. Yeah, big fan. Um, this took place in Cashin, Wisconsin in 2013 when some guy forged some paperwork and drove away <laughs> with a cheese truck containing 21 tons of monster cheese that was valued at $200,000. Tons? Tons. Oh he was arrested in New Jersey. When police spotted the truck and pulled him over. Wait, where did he come from? Uh, the, his name is Venomin Konstantinovich. No, I mean, like, he went, where did he steal? He went to Cashton, Wisconsin. Oh, Stole okay. the 21 tons so of they, cheese. So took them until, like, New Jersey? Went to New Jersey, but he wasn't very smart because he never changed the vehicle out. Oh. So it was easily identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, people people will do stuff for cheese. Who knew that there's this whole black market industry for 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 cheesery? I mean, it makes sense. I guess. Well, there you go. That's all you need to know about dairy. Yep. I think I'm gonna name this one Dairy Tales. <laughs> Woo! Doo -doo. Go have a pint of ice cream to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.